it's so sweet. Like that's what the middle offers. When I think about yeah. what comes after the middle, it's the stories that happen now that will line our empty nests one day, you know? Yes. We're actually living what will become the glory days. We're in the middle yes. of them right now. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa. You can find out more about the podcast at cultivatingthelovely.com, in our Yellow Brick Road membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely, and in our Facebook group. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram, where you can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. That's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-K-O-P-P-A. Ladies, it is rare that I have an experience with a guest on the show as I did with today's guest. I was familiar with her, but I had never met her before the interview. I knew of her work, but I'd really only spent time with her current book. And so I kind of went into the interview just like I would any other interview. Well, when I met this joyous, beautiful lady... We just clicked. Now, sometimes I feel like I click with other guests also, and it's all fun and we have an amazing conversation, but it never really amounts to anything because people are busy and they're promoting their books, and that's just kind of where it ends. Not so with today's guest. She immediately followed me on Instagram, and she immediately started reaching out and watching my stories and getting to know me and even inviting me on to be a part of her series that she was doing with Instagram to promote her book throughout the summer. I am so delighted to say that over the last few months, I have really become friends with Lisa Jo Baker. She is an amazing woman who I hope to actually be able to get to meet in real life one day, but I have been so amazed by her genuineness and her honesty and her ability to truly promote other people while she's on this mission to promote her own book. I've not seen anything like it before, and I am so honored to now get to call her a friend. So that makes me really excited to be sharing today's episode with you because in some ways it's just unlike any other episode I've ever done. And so I will save all the rest of the things about iTunes and Patreon for the end of this episode because I really just want you to be able to dig in and listen to what Lisa Joe has to say about those middle years of motherhood and why they matter so much. I think this is a unique book that we don't see many books like this. We see a lot about the little years but not a lot about the middle or ending years. And so I just think that this book is so precious and so is my friend Lisa. So I also want to know what you think about this book, what you think about this interview. Reach out to me on Instagram. Be sure to be joining our Facebook group, Cultivating the Lovely, all of that. I, I want to know what you guys think. So please be in touch. But without further ado, let's just jump into this episode with my friend Lisa. Welcome, Lisa Joe. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be with you today. I am so excited to have you. As we were just chatting a minute ago, we I recently had a good friend of yours on my show, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about that more in a second, but yours was one of those interviews as it started to leak out to some people I know that I was going to have you on the show. They were like, wait, what? Are you like famous to be talking to her? <laughs> no, Hardly as I sit here with my three-day-old hair and messy blonde oh. and jeans that are ripped, not because they're stylish. They're just really, really old. <laughs> 
Oh, I love that. I love it. just even, you know, going through your book and stuff. I think that we are kindred spirits in bringing the real to what yes. we've got going Amen, on. Amen, sister. Yeah. Amen to that. You cannot get that enough these days. Right? I, I so agree. It's like that balance of putting in the effort, but also being real. Like, this is what this really looks like. I so, know. And just give our, giving everyone a chance to feel normal. I feel yes. like that's the gift we give people yes. when we're just our real selves. Yes. I was just talking about that with a friend, like a good local, actual, in real life friend who ha I had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And like, like one of the best gifts I feel like she has ever given me is being able to walk into her house and have there be dishes in the sink oh, and dress up yes. clothes strewn yep. around and like yep. that, that real life. Cause it's that grace to other moms to not be trying to attain this level of perfection that doesn't actually exist. I know like the ministry of opening your door to your real life, not your perfect life. I just yes. think that is such a gift. I know I exhale every time I walk into a house like that. Yes. Oh, it's, it's such a gift, especially, I mean, I know from my personal perspective, having been under the oppression of someone telling me, no, everyone else's houses are perfect. You're the only one who's not right. doing that right. you know, to, to actually, because sometimes you start to believe that. I think if we kind of isolate ourselves from other people's realness, we start to think, well, I guess I am the only one who doesn't have right. everything together. You know, and you have that voice in your real life. Yeah. But I think a lot of women have that voice in their heads. Yeah. Too, right? Yeah. Like somehow telling us, oh, it's just you who doesn't yeah. have it all together. And I don't know why we choose to believe that. <laughs> I know. Well, I think there is a certain amount of self isolation we can do, even yeah. if we don't have that external voice. Like if yeah. we if we aren't in community with people, which I love what you say about friendship in the book, and we'll talk about that, but I love how you talk about that. It's the stories, it's the meeting people in person that helps restore your faith and helps restore like perspective on life. Right, right. It gives you a right way to see. It's almost like recalibrating. And then you realize, oh, I'm not crazy. It's, it's <laughs> not just me. I'm not the only yeah. one. Yes life together either. It's so wonderful. Yes. It's so necessary, I think. Yeah. Okay. But I've, I've charged right ahead because I'm so excited about what you have to share, but would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, sure. I'd be happy to do that. <laughs> I'm Lisa Joe. I'm so delighted to hang out with your community today. So hi friends who are listening. We live, we have three very loud kids. We have a teenager, a preteen and an eight-year-old. So two boys and a girl okay. We are just outside of Washington, DC. My husband is a professor and I like to call myself an accidental writer. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to grow up to be a writer. A lot of friends who write books aspire to be writers. I was always going to be a lawyer. So writing, I guess, by definition, right? It's kind of in the DNA of yeah. being an attorney. And for several years, I was a human rights lawyer who advocated for women coming out of human trafficking. Wow. And then God really shifted my entire orbit. I became a mom. I was still working full time, but I started writing more and more for women who were in a stage of life I was in, which was, mm -hmm. you know, becoming moms, trying to balance your life with motherhood. And so I just shifted to advocating for women in a completely different kind of world, mm. but most important. So yes. it's still what I get to do to champion women, moms, people here who are trying to figure out this messy part of life. And yeah. so that's what I do. I most days just sit alone at my desk, which happens to be right across from the laundry room. And <laughs> I try not to look at the laundry. Uh. <laughs> And I write here on the internet. And so that's why it's very special to be invited to podcast conversations like this, because it makes me feel like, oh, 
there are other people there on the other side of the screen or the book yes. or wherever it is that I'm writing because it feels like you get to be kept company. So that's yeah. what I am. I'm an accidental author. I like to think of myself as your author next door because yeah. I am just like the next gal, but this just happens to be what my job is. I love that. I love, like I said, the the realness that you bring to it, but also like you were saying, it. I think especially as a writer or somebody who puts anything out on the internet, it can feel very alone. <laughs> like I think people think like we get feedback all the time <laughs> from people. I think <laughs> yeah. everyone just thinks like, oh, I'm not going to, and you may have a different experience with this, but like, I'm not going to write or I'm not going to comment or whatever, because they probably have a thousand people doing that. Right. And a lot right. of times that's not the case. It's sometimes like putting things out into a void. And so when you actually get to talk to someone who is is feeling these same things or, you know, encountering these same parts of their life, it feels so impactful because it's like, oh, oh, yeah. oh there's real voices. Right. Because I feel like a lot of the times what I do is <laughs> I try to write down the things women think, but we don't yeah. say yeah very vulnerable <laughs> you yeah. can start to feel like oh my word I just hung all my business out online yeah. please Jesus let someone tell me that they relate <laughs> yeah the most satisfying thing just to hear any other woman say oh me too sister yep yes I, I've had that same thought so it is a huge relief yes and I think especially with this new book that you're putting out this the middle matters because there's so much out there for new moms Right, there's right. So much there of when, be because you're yeah. drowning. I mean, yeah, you're literally drowning when you're a new mom. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And there's there's blogs and books and you know like ev every possible thing that you could imagine for that stage. And when you come into more of these middle years where your kids are a little bit older, I think there's so many differences in the time that you have, like you think, oh, I don't have any time when they're little, but it's, it's a different kind of not having time. Yes. It's that is more, exactly right. yeah, it's a more emotionally invested time. And plus they're old enough to be aware of what you're putting out there. So you have to be more thoughtful about what, how much your kids want exposed of themselves. And yeah. I think there's so many different factors that really kind of create this void of information or even the ability to relate to other parents because we kind of have to protect that and we're exhausted and there just aren't the resources, you know? And I know it's like, this is this messy middle part of yeah. our lives and we're just, we're trying to get through it because yeah. it's a hamster wheel. We're in the car a lot. And I always say to, to other women, the middle isn't so much about an, an age, a specific yeah. age. Because I know you're younger than I am, but you also yeah. have older kids. So it's it's much more about a stage that you're entering yeah. where your kids aren't, you know, toddling around the living room anymore. They're toddling into middle school and high school. They're yeah. starting to think about college and here you are in the middle with them and you're not at the beginning of your marriage, you're not at the beginning of your parenting, but you haven't arrived at the successful end either. Like yeah. you haven't <laughs> accomplished your life's goals. You know, you're yes. you're here in the middle trying to figure out new ways to make chicken while yeah. pursuing doing dreams that you maybe understand in a way you didn't at the beginning. Yeah. You know, you're figuring out marriage and that can feel really messy as you know firsthand. And yeah. you and I were talking about this beforehand, like this is such a weird stage of our lives because it's not the part where people are sending, you know, uh, marriage announcements or yeah. birth announcements. Now we have friends struggling with hard issues in their marriages. Maybe they're struggling through a divorce. Maybe there's been a death of a spouse.
spouse or a diagnosis that's really difficult. Maybe their parents now have a lot of health issues and they're taking care of their parents more than their own kids. It's a very weird stage. Yeah. And yet at the same time, when you're supposed to feel in charge of all these things, you can feel like, I don't know how to change the air filters. Like, how am I going up? How does anybody trust me about anything? It's such a weird phase. Yeah. It's this, it's this interesting time of life where there are, there are so many transitions and I feel like I'm more, it's either I'm more hyper aware of people going through these difficult things or they've always been there and it's just this new stage, which is probably the case. But yeah, like you were saying, it's not so much an age because I tend to be the young one of my friends. I'm, I'm a young mom for my older kids. I'm actually an old mom for my young kids, which is also really <laughs> weird. Like being the oldest mom at the preschool. I know. Wait, I know. I was happened? talking to Kelly Stamps about that recently. She was saying, I'm like the oldest mom with this young kid, but I also have older kids. It's a strange combo. Yeah. And I'm like the young, young mom with my oldest one. So it's this very strange dynamic. Right. But right. And that is the thing, like I went to um, show my, my oldest son, you know, he's 13, his new school next year, he's heading to middle school. And as we were driving up to the school, I said, oh my goodness, this church on the corner is actually where I did mommy and me classes with you when you were six weeks old. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> wild. Cause you really do feel like you just blinked. It's well, crazy. It was that. And then it was also like, what business did a six-week-old have in a mommy and me class? Like none of my other children had that happen. It was just that first kid in that it's such a unique time in your life where you do those kinds of things and you're wading through those waters for the first time and you're figuring it out and it feels like that is all encompassing and all important. And, and not that it's not, it's just this like very unique time of your life that I think really only happens with that first kid and you even mentioned in the book like there are those years where you've got the littlest then with you on the bleachers (laughs) watching so many things and it's just it is a very different time so I'm so glad somebody voiced some of that I know because now I just feel like I I used to feel tired because of sleep deprivation, which mm-hmm. is real. Yeah. Now I feel tired because I drive like four hours a day to sports. It's insane. I don't even understand what's happening to me half the time. I feel like I'm going to have a mental breakdown in the car. Like it's yeah. so bad. And that's why you end up getting fast food on the go because yeah. when kids get home from school and you know, I have these giant boys and then they want to eat and yes. they go to sports and then they have to eat all over again. And yeah. I feel like... It's never over. Like all I do is feed them in the same way I did when they were six weeks old. Like I just yeah. don't even understand what's happening to my life. So I'm for a whole different reasons now. I know. Well, and it's funny, like I like I was saying, I'm the I'm the oldest mom of the preschool moms. And they'll say, like, oh, can we get together this afternoon for a play date? And I'm like, Oh no, you have, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm right, in a no. totally different place than you. Like once I'm my highly child- scheduled, I yeah. am running my child's social and sport calendar yeah. and I'm also his chauffeur. Yeah. yeah. When crazy. we get out of school, then we have back to back to back until bedtime. Like, right. I'm sorry. No, that, that won't work. Like right. it's, it's a very was, different thing. 
I was talking to our youth pastor recently and he was asking us, so what do you guys do for fun? Like, what does your family do for fun? And my husband and I looked at each other and I'm like, um, sport? Like, it's yeah. that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. We do sport, which is surprising to me because I did not grow up in a sports family. Mm. My family was all into theater, you know, music. Oh, mine too. Plays. Yeah. yeah my, my brother's famously, one of my brothers, you know, I'm from South Africa originally. Yeah. Hearing accent, that's where it's coming from. But one of my brothers was in the middle of a cricket match and walked off the pitch in the middle of the game because he had a theater rehearsal he was going to be late for. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's oh. like the story of my life. But I, a South African, non-sporty girl who'd never been to a football match, married a Midwest boy who grew up loving all things Detroit, Detroit Lions, oh, Detroit wow. Tigers. And I mean, so now I can't even, actually the highest praise, I heard my husband recently saying to my oldest son, mom knows this stuff, buddy. She's watched all these games. And I, oh. I guess I've, I've by osmosis absorbed all this football culture and basketball. Yeah. My husband oh, has taken funny. on soccer because my, my son is passionate about soccer. And so now here we are, this sporty family. I yeah. never thought we would be. And yet it's the best time because they're trapped in the car with you and you end up listening yeah. to all kinds of conversations you never expected to find out about. Ladies, Plan to Eat is back this week as a sponsor of the podcast. And if you've been listening for any amount of time, then you already know I am a huge and longtime fan of Plan to Eat. I love it because it was designed by a family for a family that knew what our actual meal planning needs were. It so simplifies the process because this website is so well developed that you can just drag and drop your recipes onto the calendar. It gives you notes if you have prep things that you need to get done in advance, and it also allows you to upload your own recipes, things that your family already knows and loves, or things that fit your own dietary restrictions. They even allow you to create menus so you can create a big plan and then copy that same plan over and over and over again, saving you so much of the decision fatigue that always comes with meal planning. But they even take it a step farther to create an amazing shopping list that you can also access on the app on your phone, and it automatically assigns certain ingredients to the certain stores that you typically buy them at. It is so genius, it's so intuitive, it saves me so much time and so much frustration because I'm able to sit down and at one shot, sometimes even plan out our meals for three to four months. I'm not even kidding. And I really can't think of a better time to be signing up for Plan to Eat than right now. We are so close to embarking on another school year and wouldn't it be so nice if you had already scheduled all of your meals out for at least the first month of school so that wasn't just one more thing that you were having to think about? And I am so delighted to tell you that even though Plan to Eat is a subscription service that offers monthly and yearly options for $4.95 a month or $39 a year, which is only 75 cents a week, you can actually get a 60-day free trial just for being a listener of my show. You don't have to enter a credit card or anything like that. Typically, they only have a 30-day trial, but they are giving Cultivating the Lovely listeners 60 days free. So you can go to plantoeat.com slash lovely to get your 60-day free trial today. I know you're going to love it. There's no better time than now.
And you share in so much common culture together, I found in the car. I mean, I I started a podcast this year called The Same Page, which was about keeping me on the same page with my kids because this was the first year they were in public school. And so we did, it's got like scripture and poetry and Shakespeare and stuff on it. But it's been, we've listened to that. But then I realized like there are so many other like podcasts that we now listen together and music that's like become part of our family culture. Like we've really formed our family culture in the car. I love that. That's very affirming. I'm going to receive that word from you today when I feel dread this afternoon in the car. Listen to the Wally Show. It's our favorite. Keeps the Wally Show. Is that a podcast? It's a radio show that they turn into a podcast, and then for the podcast listeners, they act also do an after show. So oh. it's like just for the podcast listeners. But it's this great group of people, and it's super funny, but like has some heartfelt moments too. And it has just like weaved its way into our family culture. Okay, I just literally wrote that down right now. The Wally Show. Thank you very much. Yes, <laughs> I will we love that. it. We love it. I think that's that's another thing is, you know, you hear about the teen years and because how old is your oldest? He's going to be 14. Okay. Okay. So we're, yeah. we're very close there with yeah. our oldest ages and you hear all the dread about right. Right. those years. But I got to say, I really, I, and it's been interesting to me because I knew that like, I've never been a baby person. And it's not that I don't like my kids when they're babies, but I really enjoy having actual conversations. Listen, I am a hundred percent with you. I love this stage. And yeah. I kept wondering, why did nobody tell me how great this would be yeah. when they handle their own business and make themselves food and make you a cup of coffee and yes. sneak off to the movies with you. They're so fun. Like yes. I cannot get over how much I enjoy hanging out with my older kids. Yes. I mean, we we share in the Marvel movies together and like have real conversations about right. it. Right. Last night after my oldest just got done his last soccer match of the season, he and I went out on a date night to Applebee's, you know, like he was like, mom, this is the best. You know, we ordered all the things. He ate all the pasta. I looked (laughs) at what he ate and I thought, wow, what it would be like to be able to eat that whole way. (laughs) But then we got to talk serious, but we got to talk funny. And I just think it's so sweet. Like that's what the middle offers. When I think about what comes after the middle, it's the stories that happen now that will line our empty nests one day, you know, actually living what will become the glory days. We're in the middle of them right now. Yeah. I I actually wrote that quote down in my notes where you say, we are living the memories that will be, that will be passed down to the ones who are still living their beginnings. Yes. And I just, I love that. It's like my oldest son and I, we watched um, Downton Abbey this year. No way. That's so fun. He watched that with I you. Know. I know. I wasn't sure if he would be into it. And oh man, now he can quote the Dowager like <laughs> no one you've ever seen. And he, he like will place these quotes in the middle of a conversation where at first I'll be like, wait, you just quoted the Dowager, didn't you? That is <laughs> like, so much fun. Well, I've enjoyed watching with my son old movies that were my favorites yeah now like watching them with him and experiencing it with him has just been the best I mean my my husband just recently watched with them the Blues Brothers do you remember that John Belushi movie yeah oh my gosh and at first of course when they start watching it they'll make comments on the graphics right like oh wow what's wrong with this movie but then when you get into it it's so funny and so great and now they have all these shared quotes and one-liners 
You know, there's just so many movies. Tommy Boy, like there's just so many <laughs> Farley moments that my son will show them on on online. You know, yeah. I realize there's a whole dialogue now that they get to be part of that they didn't grow up in with you, and it's yeah. that me has been so sweet. Yeah, there's there's something about like sharing. They're at that age where they can appreciate what you were doing when you were their age. Right. Right. And, and it's so music. different than any other age. Yes. Like I laughed so hard listening to my son belt out like to the bangles. <laughs> he, like, there are a few bangles songs he's really embraced. Um, but then he will always be like, when we're driving home, he'll always be like, mom, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to hook you up. There's some new tunes. <laughs> and uh, then he'll put on some, his music for me. And it's just a shared dialogue shared yeah. that we haven't had before. Yeah. It creates a whole different kind of bond. I feel like, I mean, we're always doing that, but we're setting ourselves up for the relationship that we will have with our kids when they're grown. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about the parenting stuff, but there's so much else in this book, but before we even get there, would you talk about, maybe we've already hit on it, but like what specifically made you like have that aha moment in your head where you thought, oh, this is the next book that I need to write? You know, for me, there was actually this definitive moment that happened a few years ago. I was reading online something in the Huffington Post, actually, and they'll have this thing, like they call it their quote of the week. And they had what they called their teenager quote of the week. And the quote by a teenager was, my life will never be fulfilled until someone has run through an airport to stop me getting on a plane. And I thought, wait, what? (laughs) No, how can that be how we define the highlight? Like, are you kidding me? I'm so happy I'm not at the beginning anymore. Like that's so stressful. I'm so happy I'm here in the middle. And that is what got me thinking about the middle. And I thought, my goodness, ordinary is sexy. Commitment (laughs) is sexy. A man who unloads the dishwasher is hot. Like, why aren't we talking about that? Forget the guy who runs to the airport and then is like going to annoy you and forget to call and (laughs) say the wrong thing for the next five years while you figure each other out. No, man, give me the guy who isn't afraid of projectile vomit from your children. (laughs) Like, that man is the one you want to grow old with. Yeah. It got me thinking about how beautiful this period is. And I think it is partly because the the early days of motherhood were really hard, really hard, much harder than I thought they would be. Mm -hmm. But arriving here at this place has felt very, very sweet. And I wanted to tell those stories. And I thought, goodness, I how can we possibly just say life has to be this highlight reel, these movie montage moments of airport, your romantic (laughs) airport who lives there. Nobody does. Then the credits roll and we all have to go home like to our lives. And I wanted to say, no, no, no. Like your real life has treasure buried in plain sight. You just have to see it. So I got tired of feeling like I'm supposed to seize the day all the time. Mm. what if I just change the way I see the day that I can do? Like, I don't always have the energy to seize the day, but I can sit sit with my kid, my teenage son, while he weeps in the car about a soccer defeat. And that feels like holy sacred ground. And I wanted to, I wrote this book the way some people maybe take photographs or paint a picture or compose music. For me, it's a photograph. It's how I capture the moment, how I capture that ordinary treasure 
and I remember it. So I remember I was at a track meet my son was running at, and it was so out of body because I used to run track when I was 18, when I swore I would never get married, I would never have children, <laughs> I would never leave South Africa. And here I'm standing in Virginia at a track meet <laughs> watching my boy line up to run the race I used to run, the 800 meters. I could just feel the emotion building in me. I was looking at all these other parents. It's so beautiful because when the parents are cheering for their kids, they're just yelling like, run baby, run. <laughs> and they're not calling them by name because the kids can recognize their mom's name, their mom's yeah. voice, right? And I looked at this whole scene and I thought to myself, I'm going to write this. Like I'm going to write hmm. this down like a photograph. And so that's what this book is. It's a collection of photographs snapped in the middle of completely ordinary days. Mm -hmm. Show me and the women who read it, how beautiful and amazing, what a highlight reel you're living without often even slowing down long enough to pay attention and how we don't need those viral moments. We actually have every day, every day, if we just see them, we have these beautiful, stunning, your tears welling up in your throat moments. And I wanted to help other women see them too. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's perfect. And it's, it's so needed. I mean, like we've talked about, we, we, we need that. So when you took that to your publisher, was it, were they just like on board right away? Yeah, they were pretty excited about it. What's funny is that, so here's a behind the scenes thing. The book was originally titled Why the Middle Matters because the muffin top years might be the best yet is how I, <laughs> I was like, I want to write a book about the muffin top years. And they were like, I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> because I felt like the muffin top was this perfect metaphor for the middle, you know, yeah, like yeah. my body that just insists on like peeking up above my jeans and no yeah. matter how much I work out or what I don't eat, it's just part of my middle now. I yeah. can't change it. And like those high rise jeans have never been more necessary. <laughs> And they are right now. Right. And it's, it feels like a part of me I'm supposed to be embarrassed about. I'm not supposed to talk about it. I'm supposed to hide it. But it symbolizes so much, yeah. you know, what my body has done. And so that is how I pitched it, actually. I said, I want to write a book about these parts of our lives that we just want to pass by. We don't want to talk about my age, my muffin top, what it's like to turn 40, how hard marriage is here in the middle. I want to write about all the things women are trying to disguise yeah. and not admit. And actually, um, all the women in the room with the different publishers loved it, immediately said, oh, oh my gosh, I want to read that book. Yes. Yeah. Nobody says that. How you know when can yeah. I read that book? So it's been it's been so fun. Even now, I'll get emails from you know my editor who'll who'll pass along messages. You know, like our VP of of sales and marketing has been reading, and she's so excited. Or the, you know, reviews books in order to help us strategize about how to promote them online. And is emailing to say which essay she resonated with. So I feel nice. like the book has got something for everybody. Yeah. And marriage or failure or finances or parenting, sports, you name it. And you can really pick it up and jump in anywhere. Like wherever yeah. you're feeling that tension, there's an essay for you. You don't have to read it, you know, start to finish. Yeah. And I kind of did that in preparation for this interview because I knew I wasn't going to have time to read the entire thing, but the way that it was set up, I could say, okay, I want to read, you know, about the parenting part. Okay. Now I want to read about the friendship part. I want to read about the faith part. And oh, I love that. yeah, Good. it was, I'm glad. So well I'm glad it worked. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was so great that way to really be able to hit on those things that you're currently 
dealing with, but you know, it's interesting because I get so many pitches of the new books coming out and (laughs) yeah, it's crazy. And they filter through my marketing manager. And so she will Marco Polo me. Do you have Marco Polo? Do you know what I mean? Yes, of course. My kids, it's like their favorite thing, mostly because I think they just like to see themselves on it. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, we Marco Polo about all this business stuff. And so she'll be like, okay. So, and I'll, I can tell she's trying to actually peppy about, you know, whatever the current pitch. <laughs> is that she's trying to send me because she doesn't want to dissuade like what my decision right. she's a good woman I think yeah. but uh she'll say okay so this mothering topic will and it's like she'll read like four in a row that all sound like the exact same thing right like, the beginning right. of motherhood and you know getting through the struggle blah 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 and then she'll give me that expectant look like okay what are you gonna say <laughs> <laughs> And it's not that, I mean, there's probably, uh, I'm sure a lot of those books are lovely. I'm sure, of course, and necessary, and they'll resonate with someone, you know, someone will find, will need those words. Yeah. It's hard for me though, when it feels like, didn't I just hear this? And so when I get a book pitch like yours, where it's like, oh, yes. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad me and my muffin top could be outside the box. <laughs> yes, it's it's so so wonderful and affirming, and and even within like like the friends chapter, as I was reading, mm-hmm. and you know some of them are just like one paragraph little story about how friendship mattered or how somebody met you right where you were at. And you had so many little gems throughout there, um, like where you talk about deeper, not wider. And that Mm -hmm. is definitely something that I have experienced, especially in the past year and a half. Yeah. Having that pocket full of friends, I think is what you call it. Yeah. You remember that. Oh, good. That was a good chapter title then. Yes. Yes, Because a pocket full of friends. You you don't need like a big carry-on size collection. Pocket full is enough. Yeah. I am curious though, as you know, you are an author, you are someone who it kind of necessitates that you have a following for, I'm sure for your publishers to be on board with you writing a book, you have to have like a certain amount of people who are following you. So Mm. how do you juggle that, like maintaining a platform or maybe it just does it itself because you're at that point. But if you're not like, how do you juggle that needing to have followers, but then allowing the, the close friendships have the place that they have in your life. Right. Well, I guess I'll say something my dad once said to me. So my father's a doctor in South Africa and he's a family doctor, you know, like a general practitioner. Uh And he will often have med students come and, you know, shadow him and be in his practice for a while. And he'll always ask them, what's the most important thing you need to be a doctor? And then they'll talk about medical degrees or training or school you went to, etc. And then he's always tells them, no, you're wrong. The number one thing you need is that you need to love people. Hmm. And he talks about that, how important it is because it will dial in how you diagnose them, what you yeah. see, what you notice, how you care for the family, what you learn from them. And I really, really believe that for us here in the social space. Yeah. For me, it isn't about gaining followers. I really believe I'm called to love women well. That is what 
God has asked me to do. My job is to love them well. My hope is that then multiplies and they invite their friends and say, hey, here's a safe place and a person who's going to champion you and cheer you. But as soon as I start to see like my job is to gain followers or notoriety or big jump in statistics, I'm in trouble because then I don't see them as people anymore, right? I don't yeah. see my job then as to love them. Then I just want them to love me. Mm. That is a very different equation that yeah. will take on a very dark road. Yeah. And so it's not their job to love me. My job is to love them and to serve them. Now, I have a pocket full of friends though who love me. Yes. Right? Oh, that is such a good distinction. Man, yeah. that's your next yeah. book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are the people who love me who don't care. They don't care who followed me on Instagram or what yeah. podcast I was on. They're not going to read whatever the latest post yeah. up because they love me and they yeah. know me. And so they are the ones who... I get home from speaking three times at a mega church in South Carolina. And the first thing I do is to go drive and visit my friend, Ruthie, who just had a baby. Like that yeah. is what I do. I show up because I love Ruthie and Ruthie loves me and I want to see her baby. And Ruthie will politely ask me, you know, how's it going with the book? Yeah. She loves me and she knows that's part of my job, but it isn't who I am to her. Yeah. You know, Ruthie, I'm Zoe's mom, and I'm one of her friends, and I'm so excited to meet her daughter. So that is, that's the distinction for me. I, I'm there to love people on Instagram and serve them, but um, it's not their job to love me back. I have a small group of friends, and they love me. I don't know about you ladies, but I am definitely thinking about back to school shopping right now. And there are a few things that are really high on my priority list when I'm thinking about clothes for my kids. And that's one quality. It's got to be able to last through all the craziness that my children put their clothes through. And you know my philosophy. I like for us to look good and feel good about the way we're presenting ourselves to the world and, and have a little bit of our own flair, have some distinct style going on. And I'm here to tell you that Rockets of Awesome delivers on all of those things. Rockets of Awesome designs high-value, premium-quality kids' clothes that parents love and kids can't wait to wear. Every piece is designed and created at the Rockets of Awesome headquarters, so your kid is guaranteed to own something truly special that's also machine washable. They use only the softest, stretchiest fabrics and obsess over next-level design details like hidden pockets, reinforced knees, and itch-free linings, which is a really big deal, especially to my seven-year-old. And they've really thought of some important things when they were designing these clothes. For instance, all of their pieces are designed to be mixed and matched, so you know your kids can grab two pieces and look put together for school without you having to put a lot of effort into it. And your kids will have so much fun discovering all the reflective and 3D graphics, flip sequins, and cool bomber jackets. And you guys, the amazing Rockets of Awesome website takes the hassle out of shopping for kids. They have size ranges from 2 to 14, and you can either choose one-of-a-kind items or head to their outfitting section, where you can get inspired by their selection of styled outfits, and you can shop right on the spot. They have amazing customer service. They really make sure that you get what you want and what you need, and it just makes the shopping process so much easier and even fun. So discover for yourself this back-to-school season just how amazing Rockets of Awesome clothing is. Right now, you can get 20 percent savings towards your first order so go to rocketsofawesome.com slash lovely and use the promo code lovely that's rocketsofawesome.com slash lovely promo code lovely oh i love that and i think as i was reading that chapter because i you know one of the big things that i get questions about from my audience is well how do you develop those good friendships 
And, you know, I'm struggling. I can't even find those friends to have the friendship with. And so I know that that is a struggle for people, Mm -hmm. but I think it's such a worthwhile struggle to go through to fight to find that tribe. And Mm -hmm. so for those moms who are in the early years who are listening to this, I think that is the encouragement from this book. Like, now is the time <laughs> like find your people and and if you're even not in the early years if it's you know you're you're farther along and you still feel like you don't have that don't stop praying don't stop looking because you know it's it's really been in my 30s that those friendships of people that maybe I was more acquaintances with in my 20s, we were friendly, we were, you know, but those are the people who ended up developing into these really amazing friendships that maybe I didn't even see would become what they are now. And it's that doing that real life together, welcoming each other into our homes and the hard, hard places. I I don't know about you, but these, these difficult things that we were talking about, that we're seeing the the divorces and the struggles and the sicknesses and all of those kinds of things, that has been the fire that has like refined my friendships and made them go so much deeper than they ever did before. Absolutely. I don't know how you get to the next level without that. I mean, that is what does it. And I think it's why it's a pocket full of friends, right? Because we can't walk through that kind of deepness with a hundred people. Like you can only do that with a few because there are a few who will be brave enough to walk that with us and who will invite us into their fireplaces. Yeah. And so for me, yeah, I always feel like the shortest, I always talk about the shortest distance between strangers and friends is a shared awkward story, like something difficult, right? Because if someone asks you how you're doing and you say, fine, that's just the end of the conversation. Now we're done talking. But if you actually tell them how you're doing, A, it will be quite shocking for them, but B, quite likely they will say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. Thank you so much. And then they will say their thing that's unfine. Yeah. That is what leads to real friendship. Now, obviously you can't do that to everybody, to total strangers, but women, if there's that mom in your mom group or your book club or your Sunday school class or your college class you're in, who you sort of feel that connection with, like, gosh, I wish we could know each other better. Yeah. Next, you how you're doing, just tell her. Like, tell yeah. her the truth and watch yeah. what happens. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I've got a four year old again. Sorry. The bribery just really stepped up a whole nother level. <laughs> I actually, I kid you not, we can record this if you want. Like, I one time when my kids were little, <laughs> I was. Oh, I remember it so vividly. They were down in the basement and I was upstairs trying to do an interview, probably like this, yeah. when my first book came out and I could hear them like inching toward me, you know, yeah. and I literally just started throwing food down the stairs, <laughs> like, bags of chips and candy. Like, I put myself on mute for a second and just lobbed like all of these like cheese puffs and totally yeah. unhealthy things down the stairs to like feed the ravenous wolves that were waiting down there to interrupt me. I yes. have such a clear memory of that. Oh, it's so funny. It's like that guy who was on CNBC or yes. whatever a couple <laughs> years ago. His poor wife like is trying to pull the Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. And you're like trying to be polite because you're on video, but yes. you like want to give the death glare to your child. Oh yeah. I used to do a morning show. That's kind of how my podcast oh, no began way. on Periscope. So every single morning, I would try to yeah. do it before the kids woke up, but and without fail, somebody would come down and 
throw things at me on camera or, and people would say, oh, you just handle that so well with your kids. And I'd be like, hi, I'm on video. (laughs) There's recorded evidence of my behavior. There is a reason why I'm I'm still smiling at the child who just hucked a shoe at my head. (laughs) Not because I'm happy with them. It's because you're all watching me. Oh man, it's so terrible. I know yeah. when I speak at churches, I often show like a family picture and it's very precious. And then I always tell them this photograph is a lie. Okay? Yeah. What you don't know is that I'm not just hugging my kid. I am physically restraining <laughs> him while we're spring threats in his ear. Like yeah. that is what's actually happening in this picture. Right yes. Now. Oh man. I, I love it. That, and that, see, that's the kind of stuff that we've all got to be more honest with each other about so that we can all have the grace to get through this thing intact. I know. But you just, you had so many quotes, like even I, like I said, I wasn't even able to read the whole book yet, but I kept like, once I got into it, I was like, ah, I got to keep reading more. And I, I don't often take down a lot of quotes from the books that I'm reading because it's time consuming and there's so much. And but you had, like you said, you know, friendship is what anchors you to the realist version of yourself, Mm -hmm. which I think, especially if you're going through something difficult or like, I mean, I know for me in the past year and a half, if I didn't have those friends to remind me of who I was, help me Mm -hmm. figure out again who I really was. And to oftentimes like carry hope for me when I couldn't myself, like they, they were that, that lifeline. I don't know how you get through things like this without that pocket full of friends. Right. I mean, I remember, and I talk about it, one of the stories I tell is after a speaking event, going back up to my hotel room with a, and there was a group of friends with me and I was so tired and they were tired. It had been a long weekend and we all just laid down on the two beds, like back to back. Nobody even spoke. Like there's just the yeah. side of breathing. And I thought, this is what safety feels like. Nobody yeah. has to speak. We can just breathe in this space together, back to back and know we are safe and love known without having to prove it or be funny or witty or anything. You can just lie there and know you're accepted wholly how you are. Yeah. And that is just so healing. I know what my very best friend I met online, she lives completely across the country from me. I'm in Washington. She's in Arkansas. We talk on Marco Polo every day. And last summer in the midst of, I mean, I'm still in the midst of it, but in the thick of things, I got to go visit her. And Um, it was that I, even though we, you know, had only met each other in person once before, because we, we see each other's lives on Marco Polo every day, we were able to just seamlessly slip into real life friendship. And mm -hmm. there was not that awkwardness. There was not this need to try to be somebody we weren't, or like, we got to let out our breath, like, oh, we just get to do life with each other. Like, that's what we've been craving. And, and it was so, um, you see another quote in the book, you say friendship is the life preserver. You don't realize you need until you need it. Yeah. And it's so true. Right. I mean, especially in these seasons of our lives, I feel like there's a lot of this feeling I'm 44 now, and there's this sense of crossing over into the second half of my life. Yeah. 
and it's a strange experience. People don't write a lot about it. Yeah. So it's not the sense of over the hill. Instead, it's a sense of, wow, I've arrived here, you know, yeah. and I have I brought quite a lot with me and I've learned a lot. And But I'm also aware that this stage holds a lot of very sacred things, including suffering. Yeah. And, um, whether it's me or it's my friends or my family. And so holding that space and having other people who will stand in it with you as you navigate it. I have found to be just a very beautiful thing that comes out of friendships that have now endured the little years of kids and we've grown together and are now in the space of contemplating, well, who do we want to be in the second half of our lives? What do we feel called to? Where where are our doubts? How do we make sense of faith in this part of my life? Because that can feel, it's been surprising to me how challenging faith has been in the second half of my life. Cause so many things you just take for granted in the beginning, you just yeah. accept them. And I think that's essential. I think it's important. It's, I think why I, Jesus calls it a childlike faith you have in the beginning. Yeah. But then you grow up and you look at the world and you see the hurts in it and in the lives of people you love and you try to make sense of who is this Jesus who yeah. seems to be asleep. <laughs> like I want to yeah. be like with the disciples, wake up, man. Yeah. Like, there's a storm the ship is sinking like where are you (laughs) wake the heck up and I feel like and I wrote about it in one of my doubt essays I don't even call them my faith essays they're sort of my doubt essays but that Jesus he wasn't asleep because he didn't care he was asleep because he wasn't afraid and that is what has really helped me here in the second half because I feel like there's so many unknowns that I now know well enough to be afraid of that are headed my way And, and knowing that Jesus isn't afraid has been something I can really hold on to like an anchor that's so good and I'm so glad that you came to this. It was like, you just did my next transition for me. (laughs) It was, it was the, the doubts portion that I had next written down to talk about this whole idea about that faith being a struggle you didn't expect in the middle Mm -hmm. years. Like I, I know I've felt this struggle that I didn't expect of like, well, I know all the Bible stories. (laughs) I've I've read this so many times. Like, and even though, you know, like the word is living and active and it changes and it's alive and God can speak to you differently through it every time. There's been like this certain amount of resistance, I think also with the doubt and the fear Mm -hmm. and all those Mm -hmm. things of being aware of like, it doesn't always end up perfectly. You know, people do die. Most of the time it doesn't. Yeah. Most of the time the endings are hard and sad. Yeah. Like I, I, there is no guarantee of that redemptive, beautiful, amazing story. Like having to, to approach faith in the grips of that Mm -hmm. and still decide like, okay, even though I've read all these stories again, like it's, it's been much harder to force myself to get into the word, even though, you know, you're supposed to, and you need to, and there's that resistance to it. (laughs) I didn't expect. I know. It's why I have an essay actually titled For the Thomases. Because I think, you know, the church is the one who labeled that poor disciple doubting Thomas. Jesus never called him that. Jesus just showed up and was like, you need to see it firsthand with your own eyes. All right, have at it. 
Yeah. I just like that about Jesus so much. Like, thank you for knowing it's hard for some of us to believe. I really appreciate that. Yes. And what you said about him liking us. Yes. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't just love us. He actually likes us. Isn't that the nicest thought that we have a God who is, who just thinks like the weird quirks that make us who we are. Those interest him. They fascinate him. He leans in and likes us the way we like each of our kids for different reasons. Yes. Yeah, yes. it's, it's meant a lot to me to think about a God who isn't just the God I have to be afraid of or worship or, you know, be scared he's going to send me to hell. He's also the God who loves me, who's completely comfortable with my doubts and might actually like me for muffin top and all. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's so interesting because, you know, over the past year and a half, things have been crazy and I see my kids grappling with things and my mm-hmm. one daughter, I see grappling with like when she does something wrong you know she automatically goes to that well you don't like me Mm, thing interesting and well it's not that I don't like you like this is like a daily conversation I feel like I have to keep reaffirming with her it's not that I don't like you I don't like what you did right I know you, you talk about that in one of the parenting chapters too but I then when I stand back for a second I realize like I completely understand where she's coming from because I do the exact same thing. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like, Oh, you don't like me because I messed up again. And to, to have to put on that lens of, well, I still like her. So he's, he loves me more than I can even love my kids. So of course he, he still likes me, but it can be very hard to internalize that. Very, very difficult. I, it's actually the section I talk about, I have a whole section on failure and there's a chapter called financial freefall. And I think one of the hardest lessons I had to learn was that in our biggest mistakes. And so my husband and I had just made some very difficult financial choices and it felt like we dug ourselves into this huge hole and we didn't Mm -hmm. know how to get out. But what made it worse is I felt like I couldn't talk to God about it because it was my own fault. Yeah. I did this to myself. I am the problem. So yeah. why can I why can I tell God, oh, I'm, I'm so sad. This is so difficult. We're struggling financially so much. I thought God was going to be like, well, yeah, live with the consequences yeah. of your choices, man. Like, I'm sorry I can't help you not to be stupid. Like, <laughs> I imagined that's how God felt about me. And which sort of ties into this idea that he doesn't like me right now because I didn't like, I didn't like our circumstances. Yeah. I didn't like the choices we'd made. So I assume that is how God felt too. But when yeah. I thought about it more, I thought about it as a parent, if my kids fell into this huge, dark, deep hole even if they had dug it themselves, I'm never going to stand on the edge and yell down at them about how stupid they are and how they better figure their own way out. I'm yeah. jumping down into the hole and I'm putting them on my shoulders to yeah. lift them up. And I realized, oh, that's how God feels about me. Yeah. He's not blaming me. He's not saying he doesn't like me. He's not waiting until I make better choices before he loves me. No, he's down in the bottom of the hole saying, I love you. I love you. It's dark down here. Here's a light. Here's a snack. Get up on my shoulder. I'll help you out. I like you so much. I would yeah. even die for you. And you know, guess what? He did. Like, yeah. it, it took me, it's taken me almost my entire adult life to realize that's the God we love. He is yeah. so generous. He, it's, it's scandalous how freely he gives away his love. How much? Yeah 
loves us and how much he likes us. And that, that just felt really important for me to learn that we mm. worship a God who likes us. He doesn't just love us. He likes us. Yeah. I think that might be like the most important couple of pages in your book, because I think so many of us don't feel that way and need to be reminded of it again and again. Right. That we think there's something we have to change our weight, yeah. the shape of our thighs or how much we <laughs> yeah. exercise or, and we're trying to attain this love. But what I've had to learn is we're loved because of nothing we do. We're yeah. loved because of who God is and what he does. Yeah. It's his definition that defines how much he loves us. Thank goodness, because it's the DNA of what we're made of. We are actually made from his love for us. So there's nothing we can do to add or subtract from that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So good, Lisa Joe. I'm so happy. It means so much to hear you say that. Can I just tell you, Mackenzie, I'm like grinning so big right now. I'm sitting in this tiny space where I wrote this book. I call it my book nook and it's a cluttered and it's not very pretty. It doesn't look like anything Joanna Gaines would design. It has (laughs) random children art on the wall and Christmas lights strung around me and all my favorite fiction books. And it's across from the laundry room. But this is where I sat down and I said, I just want to write about what it actually looks like, what life yeah. is like in the middle. And then I want to let women think, oh, it's, it's beautiful. This yeah. is amazing. This part I'm living is worth remembering. So thank you so much. Yes, I think so it was it resonated. Yes, it did. And I think it's, it's needed. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you've felt that from even the publishers say, oh yes, I need that book. I think that, that women really do need this relational book and this stage. I'm so happy that you felt compelled to write it. I just, yeah. Oh, I feel, I feel delighted right now. Good. So you ladies probably know that a few months ago I moved. My kids and I finally got our own place and I had to start from scratch with everything, including the cleaners that I was going to purchase for our new home. And I knew I wanted things that were gentle and not going to be harsh. And I felt safe having around my kids. So the place that I turned to get all of what we needed to keep our home clean, as well as a few fun beauty products, was Grove Collaborative. Grove Collaborative is an online marketplace that delivers all natural home, beauty, and personal care products directly to you. Grove takes the guesswork out of going green. Every Grove.co product is guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and the planet, so you can save time reading confusing labels, going to a bunch of different stores to try to figure out what you want. I loved just being able to go on their website and feeling completely secure that everything I put in my cart, I didn't need to worry about, and I could get everything we needed all in one place. I didn't have to get in my car to go get it. They were just gonna deliver it right to my door. So let me tell you about some of my favorite things from Grove. I got their loofahs, got a squeegee. They have this amazing little spring-loaded dish soap dispenser with a dish scrubber. That's probably my favorite thing that I use every single day because it helps me save on the amount of dish soap that we're using, which I also got from them. I got my Mrs. Myers soap from them. But I love this little gadget. My kids can use it really easily, and I just feel like I'm saving the planet when I use it. It's the most ingenious little dish scrubber. I love their products. In fact, I got a VIP membership because they are who I come back to time and time again to get the things to keep my home clean. So you can join over half a million families, including mine, who trust Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier. 
Plus, shipping is fast and free on your first order. And for a limited time, when my listeners go to grove.co slash lovely, you will get a free five-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Myers and Grove. You guys, that's a $30 value. I love both of those companies. So go to grove.co slash lovely to get this exclusive offer. Grove.co slash lovely. Well, and I was going to move on to the ending questions, but there's something I want to hit on before we get there. Sure. And that's your podcast. Oh, yes. Yes. I, we're a baby podcast compared to you. We're learning, but it has been such fun. And so you're doing it with Christy Purifoy, who I, I recently had on the show. And so how long have you been at it? What are you guys doing? Tell me all about it because somehow I totally missed that. this. Oh, sure. Sure. Thank you. We just began last September. So it's only about okay. six months old. It's called the out of the ordinary podcast because we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. Oh. So a lot of the conversations are a lot similar to the kind of content you're going to get in my book, the middle matters because mm. Christy and I, it's a different kind of format. It's not interviews. So it's not yeah. like we have guests on. It really is an opportunity for two friends who've known each other more than half their lives to sit down and talk about things that matter to us and that we think matter to other women in order to constantly come back to this point that the ordinary matters, that everything big starts small. So Christy lives on this hundred year old farmhouse in Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's so beautiful, but it's, that wasn't her life. Like that's not how it yeah. began. That dream of having a place to grow things really began with a handful of seeds of grass seeds. She planted in a yogurt container on her windowsill, windowsill in Chicago when she was a grad student. And yeah. so the podcast really speaks into that, how things that we write off as ordinary, if we slow down enough, we see how extraordinary they are. So it's a fun conversations between two friends every Wednesday. It's, and you can find more at outoftheordinarypodcast.com, but it's my uh, new favorite thing. We've loved it. Yes. Oh, I sometimes, instead of doing interviews, I just have friends on the show with me. And, you know, a lot of times those are the episodes that I get the most response over because there's just something about listening to two friends really yeah. talk about like real stuff. Right, right. Yeah. It's fun. And some of them are funny. Some of them are more serious, but I mean, we share just stories. I mean, here's a good example. My favorite episode that Christy shares is she has a, she has four kids and one of them has some very severe allergies. Oh, talks about as a parent, you're always afraid, always, yeah. right? What am I going to do when this terrible thing happened? And I mean, my favorite episode is called When Your Worst Fear Comes True, because Christy tells the story about being with her son Thaddeus and him having an allergic reaction and her not having an EpiPen oh. on her and what happened in that moment. And it has a happy ending, but it's very powerful because that happened in the middle of just a completely ordinary Wednesday. Yeah. That is how faith shows up, right? In the middle yeah. of our day-to-day -day life. So some of those conversations are just my absolute favorite that we've yeah. done. Oh, I can't wait to go check it out. That'll be really fun to listen to. Thank you for asking. That's yeah, definitely. Okay. So what does a typical day look like for you? I know. I was thinking about that ahead of time. I mean, I think it's like every mom, there's no typical day, yes, but I know. Course, that's the routine is the same, yeah. right? It's also, my husband usually gets up early and takes our oldest to middle school, which is about 40 minutes away. So they drive together. And even though this kid is about to turn 14, I confess that I get up a lot of the time to make him a lunch. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. No, no. He's completely capable of doing it himself, but there's something about 
that moment in the morning when he hugs me and says, thanks mom. And I'm still invested in his 14 year old world. It feels special. Other days I tell him, just grab some, grab something. I do. Yeah. But anyway, I make him a lunch and they head out and then I get up the other two. I have a fifth grader and a second grader and I walk them to the bus stop and we have a neighbor who just built a bench at the end of our bus stop that makes me so happy. Oh, so nice. The bus stop, we're kind of in a little neighborhood nook here and the bus comes and then I walk back up to my tiny little book nook and I sit down and when I'm writing a book, I write. It's not romantic. I just, I have a word count I need to hit every day and some days it's easy and some days it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> some days you only get through three or 400 words. Some days you crank out a few thousand um, and then when I'm in the season of now marketing and launching the book, I do podcast interviews or blog posts, or I'm posting on Instagram, I'm sharing on social. And then, you know, I'm across from the laundry room. So I do, some yeah. laundry. I feed the cats. <laughs> I try to get the flies out of the house. Cause I always have the doors open now that it's beautiful. Yeah. Weather. And then around three 30, I start the routine of driving to pick kids up and get sports started and try to figure out what the heck I'm going to feed them again. And yeah. Then, bedtime and then as your kids get older you know that gets later and they want to watch yes. you and yeah at some point we'll lose my marbles until everybody get out get out get out like, i'm tired of being in charge of you dad and i are hanging out now yeah and then pete and i binge something on netflix and probably eat something that's not good for us before we go to bed that sounds frighteningly familiar but, <laughs> but also really good i love it so that's yeah. good. Okay. What's one little way that you are currently cultivating loveliness in your life? Um, I think I, so our neighborhood is a weird little gravel road that goes around to what used to be a farm. And so there are a lot of houses from families descended from that original homesteader who live here. And it's kind of janky. It's not a typical <laughs> neighborhood. There's trash cans and old trailers and beautiful gardens. And I will just walk down our little tiny gravel road to look at my neighbor's yards and say hello and see the trees and catch some of the sunset. Just to be away from a screen and off my mm. phone has yeah. just made a big difference to just inhale the coming of summer. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I like that. I've been, I've been contemplating, like, I need to like go for a walk. Or it's not a long walk. I mean, yeah. it's like a little stroll, right? Yeah. But there's something therapeutic about just not being in front of a screen yeah. um, in the evenings. Yeah. Oh, I agree. That's a good one. Okay. So it's hard for me to think about how I'm cultivating loveliness right now because it's just been such an insane season. And uh, it's, you know, there's been a lot of ebbs and flows and ups and downs over the past year and a half, especially. And this has been one of those like dips where it just feels harder to make that happen. But yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I had this big, like, okay, I'm 35 now. I'm going to like get it together and I'm going to work out and I'm going to, you know, like be an adult. And <laughs> What is that like? <laughs> oh, I know, right? And so I got up a couple of mornings really early and, you know, I was feeling so good. I like did my Bible study. And then like the first morning I did this yoga that was just like a 10 minute, just like morning stretch, you know, not, nothing too vigorous. Like, okay, yeah. great. I, I did it one day down. 
And then the next day I got up, I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go for like a core workout today with yoga and I'm going to, you know, really do something here. And I got 15 minutes into what I don't even think was that difficult of a workout. And I nearly threw up. <laughs> Good. I'm very glad that's where that story was yeah. going. <laughs> And I, I was doing yoga therapy at the time and I went to my yoga therapist. It was like, what the heck? Like I'm trying to keep my life together. And she was like, your body is saying, yeah, no, you're, you're not, you can't do that. Like right now you still need to rest. Like you're still recovering from all the crazy and you still have adrenal fatigue happening and you still have all these things. Now is not the time for you to tone up and work out. And now is the time. Good. to run. Yes. And that is so hard for me to do, but it's, it's like my body just said, Nope. Yeah. <laughs> get body was like pass. Yep. <laughs> and so it's my, my lovely has really just been like trying to be good with that. So there's been a mm -hmm. lot more, you know, baths being taken and laying, reading a book happening sure. and and those kind of things to try to kind of like sink into the rest that I guess my body is just craving. Yeah. And I think it's so important. I think somehow as women, we're trained to believe if you're not working hard, whether it's at work or at parenting or at exercise, yeah. you're slacking off. And I I've often thought like, when did we learn that this idea <laughs> is that we have to like run, you know, I guess in the weight loss analogy, we have to run not just to lose the last pound, but even beyond that, like yeah. we're supposed to keep losing somehow. Yeah. And I really do believe like God has actually called us to allow ourselves to be loved and cherished and nourished and all of those things too. So good for yeah. you for <laughs> making sure you're paying attention to that. Oh, it's hard, but it's, it, you, sometimes your body just, <laughs> that's the way God <laughs> tells you. Like, no, that's not what's important right now. And it, yes, ma'am. So we're working on it. Good. All right. Are you ready for my sock questions? Okay. I'm curious. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> They're not hard. Okay. <laughs> candles or essential oil diffuser? Oh, yeah, definitely candles. I'm going to hold back all the unspiritual things about <laughs> essential oils that I always joke with my essential oil friends about yes candles <laughs> all right cloth napkins or paper i actually love cloth napkins it's kind of weird but i do i like them okay city or country mm, i like a combo which is kind okay. of what we have where we live on the outskirts of a big city but in a little country neighborhood all right paper or digital paper a hundred percent Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Online, hands down. <laughs> I hear you. Okay. It's four o'clock or whatever time you're making dinner on the days when you can. And you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? That's a good one. I do both. I think probably more likely music because my kids are with me and okay. they will be in the space with me. And so we crank it up real loud and we dance crazy. Fun. So what, what are some of your favorite tunes to t turn to? So I, I, I have a very eclectic taste. Um, my favorite artist at the moment is called Jeremy Loops. He's a South African acoustic folksy type music. I love him so much, what? but you know what? I will jam out to some good Pink or Kelly Clarkson as well. So I love all of it. And then I have teenagers, so they'll get me in on their Lecrae or yeah. some other rap that I'm not aware of. Yeah. And, 
very so really we kind of have a pretty eclectic mix give me you know graceland album of ladysmith black mombazo back in the paul simon days like i will take a little bit of everything awesome yeah have you had old town road infiltrating your life Old Town Road, no, but now I'm going to ask my kid about it because maybe he's listening to it. Yeah, it's like every night my kids put it on YouTube and (laughs) to the point where it just gets so stuck in my head. And it's this really strange mix of Billy Ray Cyrus and a rapper. So, yes, and I don't even know what the rapper's name is, but it ends up being catchy enough that it really sticks with (laughs) you. We went to a skate night a few weeks ago at my kid's school and like they, they were playing popular songs, but that song came on and the whole place erupted. And I realized like, oh, it's not just my kids. Like this is a thing. It's a right thing now. everybody's yeah. doing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. My kids are really into it. Now the problem is I can't remember what it's called, but it's like Korean pop or Euro pop or something. Oh, oh K-pop. That's what it's called, oh, right? K-pop. I think so. Yeah. Yes. The Korean pop music. And so it's, that's also so interesting because we'll have all this pop music blaring. I can't even understand. So. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. We haven't gotten there yet, so I'll, I'll be bracing myself for that. Hey, Paul. Yeah, brace yourself. Yeah. Okay, chocolate, milk or dark? I'm a milk chocolate, I think. Okay. Now, this one we've already addressed, but sports or no sports? Oh, yeah, sports. I have no choice in this matter. Yeah. Okay, live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? How do you mean? Like, like, like be on a show as yeah. opposed to watch a show? Yeah, like Insta Story. Would you rather watch Insta Stories or do Insta Stories yourself? Oh, I think I'm split down the middle. I okay. sometimes I'm in the mood to just for me, like I talked about, I just love to serve women. And some days I feel really full up, like a pitcher that's just ready to spill water over. And on those days I want to share. And some days I feel empty and I need to be filled up. And on those days I listen. That's a really good way of putting it. Man, your your social media views are just so healthy. <laughs> well, it's the only way to maintain some form of sanity, I yes. feel like, in this landscape we live in. Yes, they're really good. Okay, what is your favorite movie? Oh, no, you can't do this I to me. I know, it's a hard one. Wild, what are you thinking? <laughs> I love movies so much. My mom used to take me out of school to watch important movies. Oh, wow. That is how strongly I feel about it. Like, I'm going to have to go old school now and get a bunch of, like, old ones. So I love The Princess Bride. Love it so much. Love it, love it. But I also love The Mission. Do you remember that old one? Yeah, I, yes. So sad and so painful and so terrible. Um, oh gosh, I love, oh, I love, I love Baz Luhrmann. He's one of my favorite makers of all time. So I've watched like all of his movies. So Strictly Ballroom, I love so much. It's a classic. If you haven't watched it, you should definitely watch it. But then I also love his, um, Moulin Rouge with Nicole. Yes, I know. I was just going to say. Love it. Yes, love it. I love all, but then, I mean, I love, um, you know, Black Hawk Down, (laughs) like a good war movie that's very powerful too so I love movies so much I um one of my really good friends she's a a beautiful theological thinker and writer and when she's you know right you know got stuck in her writing she'll go read like N.T. Wright or C.S. Lewis and I'm gonna put on like a really great episode of Aaron Sorkin TV you know like I see the world through movies so that's a fun question I love them all Okay. Well, I'm so glad to have like someone who, who gets that too. Cause I'm a big movie lover and it's, what are your favorites? What are some of yours? You know, I mean, I love a good chick flick. 
Oh and yeah, who so, doesn't? I mean, you've got male is kind of like the quintessential one, right? But right. then the Father of the Bride movies. Oh yeah. Notting Hill. Oh, I mean, Notting I, Hill. Yes. yes. Or even the Netflix one to All the Boys I've Loved Before that yes. just came out recently. Oh, Love that. And did you know they're making a sequel right now? Yes. Cannot yes. wait. Totally. Forty-four-year-old so mom tracking that. Yes. 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 <laughs> I've, I've been telling all my friends, like, it's kind of the 10 things I hate about you of now. Yes, exactly. And I love that movie. Love yes, it. Yes, yes. And um, I bet even like uh, The Proposal yes. or Two Weeks Notice. Oh my gosh. Anything with Sandra Bullock. Yes. Love it. Yeah. The first Miss Congeniality. Oh, uh, yes. Like, we're big movie quoters too, but like, and, and these I feel like I shouldn't even say, but like Jerry Maguire and. Oh, Bruce yes, Doug Jerry Maguire, and, classic. Yes. And like, so many quotable movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah, like, when my family, whenever we've got something, we're like, okay, everybody get on board with this. We're like, who's with me, me and Flipper here? <laughs> and, <laughs> that's what Jerry Maguire says. And like, anybody outside of the family is always like, what? But. <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I just no, I love that. Movies are such a wonderful way to see the world and understand ourselves in it. Yeah. And speaking of Aaron Sorkin, have you watched Newsroom? Uh yeah, everything. I've watched everything he's ever done. I'm such a dork. I'm such a fan that yeah. you know how they have these master class you can take online. Oh, yes, I yes. bought the Aaron Sorkin one. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. That's because I've watched him since Sports Night, all of his TV shows. Okay. Have you yeah. ever watched his Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip? I haven't. By far his best one. Okay. I love it so much. It came out at the same time as um, 30 Rock. Okay. And I think 30 Rock was a comedy and Studio 60 is a drama. Okay. And, um, but Studio 60, I love it so much because these two primary protagonists, one is an evangelical Christian and the other one is an atheist and they're in love with each other. And it's all taking place on this late night SNL type TV show. And I think it is the most interesting conversations about faith in a public secular space that I've seen in a long time. And it's just great writing. I'm going to have to, yeah, the writing is amazing. I'm going to have to go check that one out because we watched like binge watch newsroom this year. Oh, it's so good. Yes. Yeah. The the commentary on these political, real political events. Yes. It's so interesting. And, and from a Republican perspective that wasn't faith-based it was it was incredibly like it gave you like food for thought you had things to chew on after right Right, because I mean circuit is a blazing liberal right like he doesn't make he doesn't try to hide that but I do think he does a really good job of trying to voice two sides to every argument and so yes studio 60 I really really loved as well because it spoke to faith it spoke to what does it mean to love someone and hold a different belief than they do it's really really funny he brings back a lot of his folks from the west wing are in it okay oh it's so fun and I kind of like that it was done I think it's just two seasons and I enjoyed that because it felt like closure like the end of the story arc and I kind of enjoy when it's done you know I don't have to keep waiting for whatever's next yeah oh okay I'm gonna have to go check that one out okay I think that was probably the longest favorite movie conversation (laughs) I claim that proudly yes I know I feel like our whole episode could have just been on movies (laughs) okay last question if you were to put yourself on the crunchy spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair where are you on the spectrum? I'm a zero for sure. Okay. <laughs> I am not crunchy. 
Oh, I love I did not understand crunchy people. I didn't even know the word until I came to America as a college student. And I was on the East Coast and there were all these crunchy people. And I they also call themselves granola. Yeah. I was like, what is happening right now? And I remember vividly <laughs> this boyfriend and his friends were super crunchy, his other girlfriends, and they just judged me so much. Oh, yeah. I colored my hair and wore makeup. And of course, I have tons of crunchy friends now, so they would laugh if they hear me. I'm not judging you, oh, crunchy <laughs> lady, but it is not my jam. Oh, that I love your honesty and your authenticity. <laughs> it's just fabulous. We need more of it in this world. So, well, I mean, I think we could love each other and learn from each other without having to feel like we have to all be the same as each other, yes. you know? Yeah. And I think I have friends, oh, I hope I have friends from all different facets of life and they sure know who I am. I'm the girl who's going to be like, why would you go camping? Why? Yeah. Why would you ever do that? I don't, I literally don't understand it. And my husband and I, we have two kids who would love to go camping every time they see a camper for sale. They pitch us over and over about how we should buy this camper. And I oh, always tell them, okay. have you met your father and me? We are <laughs> never going camping unless there is a hotel set in a campground where we can just take a ride on a vehicle and go look at the waterfall. Like we're never going that camping. Fabulous. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I, I, really feel like I have so much more ammunition for so many more episodes that I want to have you on. Oh no. <laughs> fabulous. Oh. I know. Well, I hope I didn't exclude anybody and I hope they'd all no. know that we'd all laugh if we were sitting together. But yes, I think by this age in my life, I have a very clear idea of who I am yeah. and also who I am not. And I am happy to own that. Yes. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you for bringing all of your realness and your transparency here today. It has been a breath of fresh air. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. How fun to get to hang out together. Yes. It was such a delight. And I hope that everyone just goes out and soaks up this new book of yours. I hope so too. You can go find me, themiddlemattersbook.com. There you go. I had to add my yes, plug at the end. Absolutely. And we will have links to the book and all of that good stuff in the show notes. So um, thank you for having me, Mackenzie. Yes. Thank you for coming on, Lisa. Have a great day. You too. Bye. So fun, right? I mean, even when I ended that episode, I had no idea what a genuine friendship would spring out of this interview, and I'm so grateful for it. I'm so honored by it. I just love Lisa Joe. There are not many Lisa Joes in the world. And so I want to encourage you to go to our show notes at boldturquoise.com slash 126 to be able to find links to her book and all of that great stuff that she has out there in the world. I, for one, even though I have read the book, I'm going to listen to it on audiobook because I think it's just going to be so much fun to hear her actually telling these stories in her own voice. Also, thank you to everyone who's been leaving ratings and reviews in iTunes. I so, so appreciate it. And you guys... We are so close to 500 reviews on iTunes. That makes such a difference to the show. I just can't even tell you. And to be having them left in the middle of the summer, I just, oh, you guys, it's so amazing. I'm so appreciative. And if you haven't done that yet and you just want to give the show a little boost and help us get up to those 500 reviews, maybe by the end of the summer, I would absolutely be so appreciative if you would just head to iTunes leave a five-star rating, a quick little sentence about what you like about the show. It would be so amazing, free, and it'll only take you a couple of minutes to do. If you want to take your love for the show a little bit deeper and help support me and my family as well as keep this show going, I would absolutely love to welcome you into the Patreon tribe that we have for Cultivating the Lovely. 
each week on Thursdays, I do a live behind the scenes video of what it was like to actually record that interview that went live that week. I talk with everybody in the group and they get to ask their questions about the episode. I also post each episode ad free for Patreon subscribers that are at the loveliest level. But we have all kinds of levels for you to be a part of. And even our smallest level, the $3 level, gets you into our Facebook group where you can just be a part of the tribe with the camaraderie and the questions and the lives and all of that. We would love to have you there. So come join us at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. We can't wait to see you there. All right, ladies, that does it for this episode. Until next week, go be bold and gracious. Mm-hmm.